All right, y'all, robertsykesketosavage.com, and today we're doing a podcast slash video. So if you're listening to this, it's going to be live on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, it can also be listened to on iTunes and all your preferred podcast platforms. I got the one and only Brandon Clark in the building. This is the second podcast or third? Third. I actually think fourth. Really? Think fourth so. podcast? I think so. Well, you got to be close to the mic, man. Oh, well, <laughs> fourth, you can move I, that I, I still don't got it. I'm still not. Uh, we're, we're doing a new setup acclimated. with this. So this podcast is like <laughs> tenfold purpose here. We're trying to figure out a new podcasting setup. We're trying to get me reacclimated to doing interviews because it's been a while since I've done some. And um, Brandon's got all kinds of interesting things to talk about. So it'll be good. But for anybody that doesn't know Brandon, he is the Keto Brick manager here. You've been with us now. You hit your year mark a couple weeks uh, ago, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, over the uh, over one year for sure. I think by maybe a month. Maybe a month. Yeah, a month or a year and a month, man. Mm-hmm. It's like a that's like a holiday celebration. Yeah, that is true. Celebration. Is true. Well, cheers, yeah, cheers on the yeah. Starbucks coffee to that. Definitely. Um, so we talked in depth last time you were on. I don't know if we've done three or four podcasts. I don't remember. They're all running together. But we talked about your resistance band training quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We talked about your motivation for getting into you know fitness and whatnot quite a bit. I don't want to dive too much into resistance band and body weight, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I want to touch on it a little bit because I feel like with everybody being quarantined right now, it's super relevant. Oh, yeah. So that didn't really phase you, the whole coronavirus, because you've been just doing your normal training. Yeah, not at all. Just, yeah, continuing right on as usual. What, uh, so you're, you're doing jump rope, resistance bands, and body weight calisthenics, and that's it? Uh, yeah, so I had, um, I had been doing more jump rope until I, uh, I had a calf injury. And, uh, so I stopped the jump rope and I really, um, dove in and ramped up the calisthenics. And, uh, so I started doing that as the vast majority. And now currently I'm pretty much just doing all superset high volume calisthenics, um, at least five days a week, if not more. Five days a week, if not more. I've been, like, I had my shoulder injury mm-hmm. way back in the day, and it's just recently started flaring up on me, so I've been doing a lot more bands. Mm-hmm. And I like it a lot, man. Like, yeah. I, I used to just use the bands when I'm traveling, but now I've been doing the bands for, like, almost all of my shoulder movements. Yeah. And I think I probably prefer it more than the free weights, honestly. Especially oh, yeah. for shoulders, you know? Yeah, and have you had problems with your shoulders before? I mean, I had him. I had that initial injury like years ago with my right shoulder. I think I was doing incline dumbbell press, and I threw something out. And then I haven't done, uh, and then I had any issues with it for quite some time. And then I started getting the flare up with this last prep, and I think it's just because my calories are real low, and I don't know, yeah. I tweaked something. But I started doing the resistance bands in its place, and that's those don't mess it up at all. No, no. I think what I found is it's uh, it not only effectively works the muscle and and you get everything that you're desiring from the workout aspect but then there's also like this therapy aspect mm-hmm. since it targets uh the stabilizer muscles uh so well yeah i'm gonna start doing that i'm, I'm probably just gonna start doing resistance bands for all of my shoulder stuff at least once a week like for my hypertrophy days just do resistance bands yeah and i feel like honestly so many people have been doing resistance bands with this lockdown that I think they may be kind of a new staple for people. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've actually been watching a lot of people's uh, posts and stories, and everyone's talking about the uh, essentially all the things that we talk about as being the positives of resistance band training, of getting such a high-quality contraction, having that constant time under tension um, that is just very unique to resistance band training. I mean, even like I have this love for calisthenics um which is kind of why i always go back to it but um it it still doesn't give the same contraction that resistance band does at that peak um, point i've been doing a lot of um i don't know what the official it's some type of variation of a tricep extension but i've been doing like a really high high point uh you know i'll mount the the band's really high above my head, mm-hmm. and then I'll lean down, and I'll basically just do an extension. Yeah. But I get more range of motion with that using the bands than anything else, really. And yeah. It, like, I get a super good pump. Like, I'll do the light band on that. Not the light band. I'll do, like, the medium band. And 
I'll do four sets, getting more reps each time. And by the time I'm doing my fourth set, I'm like 20 reps. I'm like totally gassed. Can't oh, do yeah. anything else. Yeah, and the, the, it, the really unique thing about it is it just really perfectly matches your natural body mechanics with the movement. Because you know how everybody's different. So, you know, people can do certain movements differently in order to feel the exercise the most for them as an individual. And the bands just acclimate to your natural body mechanics and mm-hmm. if you have limitations or, or certain things that restrict your freedom of movement or whatever um the bands are really you know individual specific to your individual needs and uh it's th- that it really enables you to still maximize the effectiveness um despite the differences or limitations yeah i like i like them a lot um let's talk about your little cut right now you're doing mm-hmm. Is it like an official cut, or is it kind of like an unofficial cut? I would say it's an unofficial. I, I'm just uh, taking everything I know and taking everything that I would say, trying to leverage all the weapons I have at my disposal to try and lean out as effortlessly as possible. When So you did the NACA competition. That was your first ever bodybuilding show. Yes. I know we did a podcast, I think, right after you did mm-hmm. that. Right before and right after. Yes, yeah, right. Right before mm-hmm. and right after. And... Uh, we had done it soon enough after that I don't feel like you had really even started your reverse diet. That I mean, you weren't that no. deep into your reverse diet when we recorded right after. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your reverse diet first, because that was in October, right? October right. of last year. So it's been quite a few months now since the show. You got super lean, and then you did a reverse diet. Talk to me about that first, because mm-hmm. I can relate there, because I'm in the middle of my reverse diet now. So talk yeah. to me about how you your reverse diet experience went and then talk about what you're doing now with your cut. So um, I didn't, I guess I didn't really take seriously or didn't really know what to fully expect um, coming out after the show. Mm-hmm. And if I if I were to do it again, I would do it totally differently. Um, much more controlled, much more strategic. So you went uh, off the rails on your reverse. I did, and I but I would... It's a, where you're at mentally afterwards. It's a it's a very hard place to be in, and and that's where I didn't really think about it until I was there, which was a mistake. I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like now if I were going to like if I were to get a client tomorrow and they were saying I want to do this competition, I would be telling them to have the mindset at the beginning, at the onset that show day is not the end. Yeah. And that it's going to need to go beyond that. And if they're going to get that lean, what's necessary to step on stage and be competitive and try and win, then they're going to need to be just as controlled and strategic coming out of it. Yeah. And I tried to formulate in my mind this way that I could have all this freedom, kind of have my cake and eat it too type mentality to where it's like, it's like, well, if I just stay keto, keto friendly, yeah, you know, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fine. But when you go to that level of depletion and restriction, um, your capability for what you can intake is like nothing I've ever experienced before. Yeah, it's it's next level. Yeah, and then if you start, if you even accept the majority of these keto products that are out there that are low quality keto treats, you can consume those with the same negative aspect as carbohydrates. You can just eat them and eat them and eat them and it's not, they're not nutrient dense. They're just, you know, the, the magical net carb calculations and you fix in your mind that you're okay to have them, but then you're in this um, compromised uh, mentality if you're not going into it, you know, with a uh, with a strategic approach, and and it's just a recipe for bad things to happen. So I noticed that I put on weight after the show really quickly, not as quickly as if I had gone full blown like carbs afterwards because mm-hmm. I didn't, but definitely put on weight faster than I would have liked and I I mean I went right back to training and everything but um what'd you get down to got down to 159 yeah 159 then what'd you get up to and in what time frame I got up um I would say over the course of 
Over the course of several months, I got up to 190. So you put on 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And and I did notice a difference, though. I did notice that, uh, and, you know, the, my family even, whether they were trying to make me feel better or not, but um, they, you know, they told me, and I believed I could notice that I had more quality muscle. Yeah. Like, I was in a state where I was, I was putting on some body fat, but I was also putting on quality muscle. Like, my physique, um, my body composition changed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I could tell I was in this prime condition for growth. Yeah. Um, and I just did what most people do and, and take it too far. And I didn't want to do that. Like, I wanted to stay lean. But I obviously had recognized that you can't stay stage ready year round. Yeah. But I didn't, I don't know, this has all been a really big learning process. Um, so while that was like a difficult thing to go through, um, you know, I, I believe it's going to be really useful for me going forward personally in being able to do what I want to do, which is lean, live lean and fit, you know, year round and be able to advise my clients and warn them ahead of time and guide them, you know, through these different stages and these different challenges, because I have personally experienced both the positives and the negatives. And, uh, and so I feel like it'll make me a better coach in those circumstances. You know, it's it's funny because like, it's obviously not optimal to put on that much weight, especially mm-hmm. that quickly post show. Like you have this weird relationship with food. Like it's not the epitome of what health is or represents. But I kind of like the fact that you had to go through that mm-hmm. and experience it. I like the fact that I went through it and I experienced it during my first show because it gives you so much perspective that you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a coach, it allows you to relate so much more with any clients you're working with, whether they've done a show or not, just simply ones that have, you know, this kind of rocky relationship with food. When you do a prep and you get that lean and then you, like, come out of it and you have a, you know, pretty rough reverse diet, it's like you gain so much perspective and you can appreciate and understand what your clients are going through or other competitors are going through and people that just have been up and down and yo-yoed their whole life have gone through and you just you approach how you manipulate their macronutrients and how you talk with them in a much more experienced manner I feel Mm -hmm. yeah and I like now when I have clients and they you know and they want to try they want to try something or they're asking for my advice on something you know I now uh, because of all these personal experiences I can tell them okay you know if you do this because everybody wants to ask you about cheap meals or drinking or any of that. And I haven't experienced, I've had clients that have experienced the alcohol. I personally haven't experienced um, the alcohol effects because I don't drink. But um, It's a wise move. Yeah, <laughs> it's worked out well for me. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm able to advise them on what the likely outcome is going to be. And I give them a worst case scenario. And then I tell them that now... If you're going to do it, you're going to, I advise against it. First of all, you know, this is, this is what I advise you to do instead. But if you're going to do it, um, this is what you need to prepare for mentally ahead of time. And this is the strategy you need to go at it with. Because if you don't go into, I've learned, if you don't go into situations with a strategy, with a mentality to not only do something, but then how to come out of it, the potential to go off the rails and destroy um, your progress is is so much more likely. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I uh, I've leaned down and gone through a prep several times now, mm-hmm. and I am. This is the end. Like upon recording this, this is the end of the eighth week of my reverse diet, and I feel like I finally nailed down the right way to do a reverse mm-hmm. diet. Yeah. I've had some pretty crazy calorie days. Like I had eight thousand calories the other day. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, and pretty obscene amount of food. That's crazy. But it's been done with a strategic, you know, mm-hmm. method. Yeah. And I, I woke up today at one seventy three and on show day I was one sixty six. And this is two months post show. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've definitely like I'm holding more water. I've definitely mm-hmm. fluffed out a little bit, but I've achieved what I consider to be a healthy, sustainable, you know, weight and composition. And I've done so gradually, and it's not been incredibly taxing on my mind or my body. And I feel mm-hmm. like that should be the goal 
of any reverse diet. Yeah. And I don't know, like I'm I'm okay. Like you have to embrace the fact that you're not going to be five percent body fat year round. Yeah, if you're, especially yeah. if you want to make substantial muscular improvements mm-hmm. in like a building phase. Yeah, I think you can easily as a male sit around between you know eight and twelve, even fourteen mm-hmm. percent on the upper end of that, and that be a totally sustainable, healthy composition. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious. To, we ought to do like a, a pinch caliper test on you yeah, today and see yeah. kind of what you're at right now. Yeah. Because you've leaned down a lot over the past few, like what now, a couple months? Uh, Yeah, I'm probably at about the uh, month and a half mark. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've lost from my highest down to my lowest, It's it's been about 15 pounds. So I'm like, I'm 175 today when I weighed today. So we're almost at meeting in the middle, man. Yeah, yeah. Almost 175 <laughs> across the board. But like what's funny is like I'm... Uh, because of what I had gone through before, you know, the extent that I was able to take my physique through deeper state keto, my experiences coming out of it, not being what I wanted, but it was because of my own fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but then learning through that process, you know, I, I came back to, and you know, there's the hormone things that are going on and everything And this. Ex- I never really experienced before the ability to eat food like that and uh and not feel full and then all of a sudden just feel sick Mm -hmm. um and so but it brings you to this point to where you have to wrap your mind around the situation and then strategize going forward um and so i wanted to start using all the different things that i had learned and using as much as i could to my advantage to to start to lean down again to get to what I believe my ideal maintenance weight is, which is what I am right now, 175. It only took six weeks to do it, and it wasn't hard. Yeah, it wasn't hard at all. Like I'm, I'm not suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in DSK, I, you, if you're going to end up standing on stage, there's going to be a degree you got to be willing to suffer. Totally. At the end, totally. If you're going to be competitive, because everybody's taking it you know to the extreme it's not natural to get that no like you have to do unnatural things Mm -hmm. not like unnatural you know injections right right (laughs) (laughs) unnatural abnormal and caloric intake for sure yeah yeah and uh but then i was like i want to lean down i want to get to my what i consider now to be my ideal maintenance weight where i want to be lean and fit year round and uh I was like, but I don't want to do anything so extreme or so because I believe every time before that I've done something, it's always been to a crazy extreme. Now, DSK doesn't have to be extreme. It's depending on what your personal individual goals are. If you want to step on stage, it's going to have to get extreme at mm-hmm. a certain point. But I think there is something so wrong with the fitness industry and what's advised uh, when it comes to diets, that it's always got to be a mindset of extremes and uh, work out as much as you can handle and diet down um, as fast as possible and be as extreme. And what people need to realize is is the harder and faster and more extreme you go, first off, you're gonna you're gonna sacrifice a lot of muscle. Yeah. But there's gonna be a rebound mm-hmm. effect from that. And so taking that into consideration, I was like, I want to do something that is is much easier on my body, doesn't stress my body so much. And I believe with what I learned through DSK with my experience going through the protocol for 20 weeks and then coming out of it, it's like I believe if I come at it with a lot of those weapons, those same weapons, but utilize it from a um, getting to my ideal lean and fit body that I want – that it's not going to have to be extreme and that's going to better enable me to make it a lifestyle to where I can sustain it year round. Having like this sustainable lifestyle approach to your nutrition and your training is what gets me excited about the ketogenic diet, about natural Mm -hmm. bodybuilding. Like that to me is what all those things are supposed to encompass. Mm -hmm. And I like the extremes because I am a bodybuilder. Like that is an extreme, you know, sport, but I, I look forward to and embrace and enjoy like the off season where there's mm-hmm. not a show looming. I can just focus on improving day to day, but not at the expense of my other day to day activities. Like 
I like I'm at a point now where I'm eating enough food. My hormones are starting to stabilize. I feel really good. Like I'm sleeping better. Like everything's better, mm-hmm. and I'm able to tackle my workouts with excitement and energy, and I, they're fun again. Yeah, um, I'm able to like tackle my business endeavors without having to be just totally drained and depleted. And I'm not quite stabilized with the nutrition. I'm still kind of scaling up my macros. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished out the reverse diet yet, but I'm getting to a point where I don't obsess over food at all, which is yeah. a, a huge plus for sure. And to me, that should be the end goal for everybody. Like, not necessarily maintain, because I feel like maintenance is just this. I mean, there's no such thing as maintenance. You're either getting right. better, or you're getting worse. But mm-hmm. finding a sustainable way to continually move the needle forward but not at the expense of your normal day-to-day activities, I think is key. Mm-hmm. And if you pair proper training with enough calories that you're able to grow, but not just get you know fat and obese, yeah, and you're able to get proper quality nutrients from like a ketogenic diet that's well-formulated, I mean, you're just fountain of youth right there. You're going to get better and better. Yeah. Yeah, and what's, uh, what's funny is, is I used to think like I would never be able to say no to things like I would never, which is one of the original draws to the ketogenic diet that I had was, uh, I was like, all the dairy you can have, you know, I, and mm-hmm. I love dairy. I love the cheeses. I love the heavy creams, you the sour black cream. Coffee? Is there heavy cream in there? It's black coffee. I'm not having hardly, um, not having hardly. That's, that's pretty poor English. <laughs> not um, having hardly. Ain't no. <laughs> but, uh, it's funny. Like now I have the choice and, uh, and I know I have, it's funny, I experienced getting so strict with DSK that my body was able to, I was able to see how my body reacted to these individual foods, which I've talked about before. Yeah. And it's like now, after reintroducing different foods like dairy um, and even like a lot of veggies, I shy away from that now. Like yeah. I'm choosing not to have dairy, choosing not to add cheese. Um, choosing not to have a certain volume of the cruciferous veggies that you can have on keto uh, because I know how I feel without them and it's better. And I am in a state of having complete control over myself that, uh, that it's like you can start to make these really intelligent choices about what you put in your body because of what you've been through. And, uh, and it's, it's really exciting to see things um working you know so well and feeling like you're in complete control and then yet you're also reaping these rewards from what you're seeing in your physique yeah i feel like i agree 100 percent. like i i do not eat that much veggies that many veggies now for that very reason like i don't feel any benefit to them i just feel more bloated mm-hmm. every once in a while i'll crave a salad so i'll eat a salad but i don't really i'm not drawn to it mm-hmm. now a little bit of heavy cream in my coffee is one thing that I, I definitely think is not optimal. Like I feel that I have more adverse effects than positive effects that come from dairy. Mm-hmm. But it's like I like that little bit of heavy cream. And when I'm transitioning into a building phase or an off season, it's like it's kind of like a glass of wine on occasion. Like mm-hmm. I can justify it. Like that, I'm okay with sacrificing a little bit just to enjoy that that one little little addition to my coffee every yeah. once in a while. You know? Yeah, I feel like that for me. Is like uh, (laughs) there's some sugar-free Jello for sure, and that is not. I I I would not sit there and you know tell everybody they should be down in sugar-free Jello, but every once in a while, you know that hits the spot. Every once in a while, a little um you know whipped cream on something, and all those things, you know they they're not good nutritionally, but you know when the when you know ninety-eight percent of what you're taking in is nutrient-dense, high-quality foods. You know, and, and I would just absolutely say your heavy cream is a lot better than Jello and whipped cream or anything like that. I would say for me that might be like I still do like to have also um, like Parmesan cheese. Yeah. And so yeah. I'll add that to something, even though it is a dairy. Uh, I feel like it is uh, my body responds much better to it than other forms of cheese and stuff like that. So sometimes I will go a little heavy on the Parmesan cheese, but it is that. You know, you're not if you're not you know, competing or you're not pushing yourself to get to a certain goal in a certain amount of time, you know, then you can enjoy those things and your body, um, you know, it's not that big of a deal that your body doesn't respond a hundred percent optimally. Right. And, uh, and, and almost in some circumstances, 
your body kind of relaxes a little bit, like constantly hitting your body with so much stress. Um, you know, like with people that are coming at it with a caloric deficit on top of fasting, on top of um, extreme weightlifting, on top of extreme cardio, like you can't just go extreme, extreme, extreme without a bad rebound mm -hmm. in, in my experience. Totally. Um, and, and which is why I really, uh, like, I really advise people now, especially if they're really doing a lot of heavy, intense resistance training, like maybe do more, more of the low intensity, steady state cardio, um, instead of like, you know, doing a really crazy intense two hour weightlifting session and then going and doing 30 minutes a hit and then fasting 22 hours and then being in a, you know, strict, severe caloric deficit, like you've got to have a strategy to it. You, you can't just, you know, redline it because yeah. your body's going to going to show you the negative effects of that eventually 100 percent, man there's there's been so many cases of competitors that like would plateau on their weight and they're just doing all that they could they they had their calories down low the cardio was up the training was up and they would just be totally plateaued mm -hmm. a week out from the show and they would just get burnt out and say screw it i'm not going to go to the gym for a couple of days i'm not going to do any cardio i'm not going to do anything i'm just going to sleep and then they would do that and then their weight would drop five six seven pounds mm -hmm. because their body's cortisol leveled out and they just de-stressed yeah and their body was able to actually make improvement so not constantly redlining things is is very important well what's funny is i kind of experienced that even even though this hasn't been nearly as um strict or anything as as my uh deeper state keto protocol uh that i used for the competition um, I experienced that to some extent. Really? Mm -hmm. Here lately? Yeah, yeah, I did. So, uh, so uh, I had discussed with you how um, I put myself in, you know, what I would consider uh, to be a pretty, you know, a moderate uh, caloric deficit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I was doing two thousand calories, which in my mind, um, you know, thinking about you know how low I I got to compete. Uh, and then I started eating at about 2000 and having my fat at about 80%. Uh, I was feeling great. Um, and I've been doing like, uh, what I would consider like mild intermittent fasting of 14 to 16 hours a day. Mm -hmm. But if I was really hungry, I'd cut it at 14 hours and, uh, and have my half a brick and black coffee for lunch. But, uh, what I started to, what I've really noticed that the, a major indicator for me is when I lose my motivation to work out is when I am pushing and when I'm reaching that depleted state, my body is hurting. Mm -hmm. And I started feeling that motivation. Uh, I, I felt it go. And I went about seven to 10 days where it went from me being hyped up and, and, you know, looking forward to, to killing it in, uh, during my workout to uh, like mentally having to overcome uh, the fact that I needed to get my workout done for that day uh, before I came to work. And uh, so, you know, I was talking with you and everything about my caloric levels and, uh, and I really, you know, I ended up thinking, you know, that I needed to, to increase it. Uh, I needed to increase my calories that maybe my body had was like showing me the signs that it had kind of peaked and it mm -hmm. needed to, to relax a little bit. And so, um, I started increasing my calories. So I increased it by like five to 700 calories a day. Like I went up to, I initially went up to like 22, 2300. And then I bumped it up a little bit more and I've been sitting at right around 2600. Really? I didn't know you bumped up that mm -hmm. much. And in with over the course, it's just been like the last five days. I, uh, because my body also stopped responding, mm -hmm. which was a, a you know a sign to me as well. When uh, you know I stopped seeing the results in the scale, I stopped seeing the results in my mirror checks, um, and uh, and I started um, you know feeling those effects in my workout with a loss of motivation. So it was kind of all the way around. And uh, when I made those changes the scale started to reflect again, which was crazy. Cause I'm like, I've, I've gone up in calories and it's like, it allowed my body to relax. And, uh, and then I dipped right back down mm -hmm. and now I'm consuming like last yesterday, I consumed 2,700 calories and I'm still sitting at 175. 
right now. Yeah, see, that's that's that to me makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people in the keto space that would argue that calories don't count and that all of that is just unicorns and rainbows. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But your your body, like, you have to have a certain amount of fuel to be optimal. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just that's just basic biology right there. And if you go too low for too long, you're going to see some adverse effects. If you go too high for too long, you're going to see some adverse effects. Depending on what your goals are, you need to manipulate that caloric intake. Like, that is so blatantly obvious to me. But yeah. some people just don't get it. I don't know. Well, I um, feel like, too, it's al- it's like you almost have to go through an experience, mm-hmm. even though you hear it. Yeah. It's like you got to go through an experience. And what's awesome is in the last five days of doing this, I've gotten my motivation back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm storming into into my garage to go do all my calisthenics, and I'm all hyped up. That's and, how you should feel, especially when you're, in a, when, when you're in a surplus. You should be excited about your workout. If you're mm-hmm. not, then something's wrong. Oh, yeah. And it's like before when I was feeling the effects – I was just glad when it was done, mm-hmm. and now I'm upset that I've run out of time because yeah. I wanted to keep going. And, uh, and and what I think is, like, key, what I wish more people would, like, wrap their mind around is instead of this, uh, I've got to get to to this idea as fast as humanly possible no matter what the cost. Because um, they're not prepared mentally for what it would take to do that. And they're not going to do it as effectively if they do it with that mindset. Right. But more of having their health as a priority and a change of lifestyle and not trying to rush it, but going at it with strategy and uh, and a lifestyle approach um, instead of I got to get shredded before I go to the beach in a month. Yeah. Because it's, it's just going to do more damage than good. It's definitely going to do more damage than good. I had somebody reach out the other day, and they they were asking if I could help them get lean very quickly. And they were going to not do keto after they got lean. They just wanted to do keto for a short term to get mm-hmm. lean. And then, like, the next sentence was asking about if they could do cheat meals. And I just, like, people <laughs> people's total thought process with being healthy is so screwed up. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't know. I'm, I'm going to totally revamp my coaching philosophy where, like, if the cheat meal is in your vocabulary, you're, you're going to want a different coach because you're yeah. not going to want to work with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's it's funny because people are coming into it from that, I feel like that 1990s Bill Phillips EAS mm-hmm. mentality of the cheat meal was critical every week to the, to the whole diet working. Yeah. And, you know, what you end up learning when you go through, what I ended up learning going through um, Deeper State, and what I do now is, like, the refeed, what you would refer to as a refeed, feels like... It's strategic. It's strategic, but it scratches that itch. Yeah. But you don't suffer the consequences. Like, you may put on a pound or two that's gone in 24 to 48 hours... At most, and that's probably mostly due to the sodium yeah. that you take in. But like saying, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to worry about hitting this caloric amount, and you're gonna, but you're the foods that you're going to take in are going to be delicious keto foods, but that are still strict, like a, like a ribeye. Mm-hmm. Um, your body just responds great, but then you come out of it without. You're not left wanting. You're right. you're so grateful in the end that you chose to do that rather than a cheat meal, because I actually during this last process I timed out the negative effects of a legit cheat meal. Mm-hmm. So um, so my results could have been even better because I did two legit carb cheat meals in the process and I paid for it for a full week. I didn't get back to where I was before the cheat meal until a full seven days later. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I, no, one meal, mm-hmm. one meal, and it wasn't worth it. I was, I wasn't feeling well afterwards. I didn't feel as dialed in mentally afterwards. It took me a couple days to get back in, but when I go out and I'm like, you know, okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna let myself eat, and but it's gonna be like a ribeye or something to that, or even like a, a Five Guys, you know, burger or something, which obviously isn't ideal. But it's a lot better but, than actual carb cheese. Oh, and my body. Like handled it, yeah, very, very well, totally. and uh, and and so like I feel like now I can go into it, and whereas I used to be like you know I deserve a cheat meal, it's more like I don't want one, 
Yeah. I don't want to sacrifice all the progress I've gained, and I can scratch that itch with totally acceptable keto foods. Yeah, it's hard to feel guilty eating a delicious, big, meaty, fatty ribeye. Mm-hmm. You know, like you eat that and you just feel good about your life. We're gonna have ribeyes tonight, by the way. Oh, that's I've awesome. I've got some going to go on the Traeger here soon. Excellent. I've got Excellent. one more addition, too. After this podcast, we'll have the ribeyes, and then I'm thawing out and marinating one of the, the the mule deer heart from my last year's harvest. So we'll eat the heart from the mule deer. Awesome. Awesome. So, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. I don't know how yeah. it's going to taste. We'll see. I've never hey. cooked it this way before, so <laughs> it'll be a mystery mystery meat, but it should be good. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. I'm so interested. talk to me about your, your current strategy, man. Like, what are you doing with your nutrition now? Now that you're eating more calories as well, but, like, what are you doing to, to make up your routine to find this kind of, like, sustainable approach to training? Well, I guess we kind of talk about training, but mostly nutrition, so you're doing... Mm-hmm. What with regard to that black, black coffee to kind of intermittent fasting? Yeah, but I didn't want to do because I've done the OMAD approach. I've mm-hmm. done the, you know, a lot of 18 to 20 plus hours of fasting where I only allowed myself, you know, zero calorie beverages or black coffee during my fasting window. And what I started to notice was the harder and longer I went with the fasting, the harder time I had with controlling the food intake. Uh, when I broke my fast and went into my eating window. You start thinking about it as you get closer and closer, and then when it's time to eat, it's like the gloves are off, and you just go off the deep end. Yeah, yeah, and even if it was, uh, like, if you have a a caloric and and macros that you want to hit, I found that I was much less likely to have a strategic approach and hit those. It's almost like the strategy would go out the window, and I would just be ravenous by the time, you know, I'd go for the food. Uh, So... I thought, you know, through the process, and I was like, I wonder if uh, how it would be if I just took a mild fasting approach. Um, at least, you know, I heard Joe Rogan say that he will do like 14 hours. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, 14 hours. I've heard people take it as low as 12 hours and say you still experience some benefits. Um, but I set mine, and I was like, you know, 14 hours for me if I stop eating at 10 o'clock at night, have my last food intake, and then I don't eat again until at least noon the next day, I've hit the 14-hour mark. If I can keep it in that 14 to 16 hour window, but then kind of I, I set like a threshold on the other side too because I'll get I'll get really amped up and motivated and be like oh I'm gonna go all day. Mm-hmm. So it's like I needed to set a boundary for myself to not carry it too long because right. I know what it's was like gonna happen. And a lower threshold. But then I still wanted to kind of experience the benefits of the feeling of being light on your stomach and. And uh, having a lot of energy when you don't, when you're not weighed down with a lot of food, and I have really found that for me, uh, having half of a keto brick with black coffee uh, as my lunch when I break my fast is like perfect. It's like a, a a solid fat source, but it's only 500 calories, but it's in the perfect you know keto macros, and it allows me to get through that hump until dinner. And then when it, dinner comes, I'm ready for it, but I'm not ravenous. Right. I'm not at that point to where I feel like I'm kind of risking going off the rails a little bit. And everybody needs to realize they have that potential. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has this potential. No, not everybody is in control all the time. Like, you, you've got to you've got to learn yourself and study yourself and your your strengths and your weaknesses, and then a strategy to combat those weaknesses. Uh, so that's kind of how I went at it. And then I uh, I went at my um, strategy, nutrition strategy for dinner, with just mainly focusing on meat and eggs, essentially. Um, throw some cruciferous veggies in there if, if it happens, you know, to work its way in there. Uh, but the main basis is meat. What kind of meat? Uh, usually like 80-20 ground beef. And, and a lot of times that is just because of the cost you know being being married having five kids being a single income provider and uh my oldest boy is 13 now and that boy can down some food yeah so uh so the grocery bill gets a little high so um and that's that's why a lot of times i stick with 80 20 ground beef and and eggs and bacon and essentially you know then the kids can dive into all that as much as they want to and it doesn't um you know hit the bank account as hard Mm -hmm. um and you're able to buy in bulk 
as well. And then you can meal prep it. Like uh, meal prep for me has always been an issue as a, you know, uh, constantly working on the go, working overtime, working extra jobs, um, you know, all these things uh, to where meal prep has always been difficult and tracking has always been difficult. So I went into this thinking, how do I make the meal prep as easy as possible and the tracking as easy as possible? Because when I, I realized with my weakness, if I wanted to succeed in my goals, you've got, if you're gonna have the most success, you're gonna have to meal prep to some extent and you're gonna have to track to some, it's just a necessary evil. You're gonna yeah. have to do it. So, you know, like to any like busy, um, busy parents, busy professionals out there, you still got to find a way to do it to make it work for you. So I've really seen, you know, how valuable of a product the Keto Brick is. And to where you made it as a performance product uh, for competing, I leverage it as a weapon uh, in my, like how I word it is, I leverage it as a weapon in my mission to be lean and fit year round. Uh, by using it as the easiest way to meal prep and the easiest way to track my calories to where I literally can track my calories without using my fitness pal or whatever tracking app there is because I know approximately, you know, I know that there's a thousand calories in a brick and what that breaks down to, you know, approximately 90 grams of fat, 30 grams of protein, 12 to 16 total carbs, depending on the flavor. Um, and you know, those will vary a little bit depending on the flavor. Uh, but you know, uh, just at a glance, right, right. instinctively what it is. And then when you're mainly eating, uh, meats, you don't, you get to a point where you don't even need to weigh it out. Like I know, you know, um, 13 ounces of 80 20 ground beef is between 900 and 1000 calories. So when you make it that easy, um it makes the tracking not hard at all, as easy as it could possibly be, and it makes meal prep as easy as it could possibly be. Like I just yesterday cooked up about 5 pounds of 80 20 ground beef and got it in the fridge ready for this week. Yeah. That's not most people's idea of meal prep. But that's what makes it work for me as someone who is constantly on the go, you know, has, um, you know, crazy busy family life and a lot of uh, a lot of work to do and is always on the go. That's what makes uh, it work for me. And that's how you can use, um, you know, those types of strategies to make it to where it's not such an effort. Like I've heard of people meal prepping all afternoon mm -hmm. on a Sunday. That's never going to be a reality for me, you know, but I know I've got, I can use the keto brick, which is no effort at all. And that automatically takes a thousand calories of my daily nutrition out of the question. You know, I know the quality of the ingredients. I know it has perfect keto macros. I know it's completely shelf stable. You know, I cut it in half and have half for lunch and half before bed and fill in the rest with meat. And it's like magic, you know. It just works perfectly. It's funny because, like, <clears throat> I I'm obviously gonna sound biased being the owner of the company. You're gonna sound biased being the manager of the company. But it's like we we practice what we preach. Mm -hmm. Period. Like we're not trying to make sales by saying that. It's like this this was made. It's kind of like reverse engineered. Like I made the brick to fill in fill scratch my own itch. You know, fill mm -hmm. the need that I had and not make a product to make money. So I don't have a problem saying that it's really good at what it's designed to do, which for me was initially for performance, but mm -hmm. hearing you talk about it just as a way to make it more sustainable, like that's awesome too. I mean, I literally eat one every single day. Mm -hmm. I had one every single day of my contest prep. I've had one every single day of my reverse diet, and I look forward to it every single day. Mm -hmm. It does take the guesswork out of it. It allows me to eat leaner cuts of meat if I want and then be able to balance out my macro ratios. Eggs are super convenient because it's like roughly, you know, five and five, five grams of fat, five grams of protein, sometimes six depending on the brand of the egg you get um, or the size of the egg you get. But it's like finding things that make manipulating your goals, manipulating your macros to hit those goals easier is key because so many people's excuse to why they fall off of a diet or a lifestyle or nutritional protocols because it's too much and they get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like this is literally foolproof if you just get the basics under underway, you yep. know. 
and I don't eat a lot of vegetables, but when I did eat a lot of vegetables, I, I used to get frustrated because you have to like eat it just in time or else it goes bad and spoils, gets all soggy. With meat, it's like you, you get it, you freeze it, or you eat it, and the brick's shelf-stable, so you don't have near as much food waste. Like, I can't mm. tell you the last time I threw away food. I hate throwing away food, mm. so I don't. I just eat what I, I thaw what I need, I eat what I need, and then I hit my goals, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really that simple. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's so many people too like they have this this big complex plan but my whole my whole thing and I, I tell this to my clients is uh you, you've got to make it as simple as possible mm-hmm. the basics work it's when you start complaining about well yeah like you can't have it all like everybody wants to complain about food variety and then they want cheap meals and then they want all these things but when you're trying to progress towards a goal as fast as possible, something's got to give. Yeah. And what you need to realize is with the ketogenic diet, I mean, you have nothing to complain about when you can have, uh, when you can have a ribeye and you can have the keto brick. Like, it's, it's the best of all worlds. But um, you just need to realize that it's not going, you're not going to have the success when you're trying to have all of these variables added in you need to make it as simple as possible for yourself to follow and stick with and uh and that's why everyone there's all these things that people always talk about going back to the basics whether it's nutritionally whether it's with training and it's because that works and making things simple increases that uh that percentage of success that you're likely to have because it will be easier to stay consistent yeah. and to hit your targets. Yeah, there's there's so much to be said for willpower as well. Because willpower, like you have you have a finite amount of willpower in a day. And mm-hmm. if you're constantly trying to add all these new variables, you're going to be tested as to what what is the right amount of X, Y, or Z. You know, what should I increase more of or decrease? Like willpower is finite so if you can just remove all the unnecessary variables go back to the basics have a properly laid Mm -hmm. foundation then that's that much more willpower you'll have left at the end of the day to adhere to the basics Mm -hmm. you know and then you're going to reach that goal like if you already reach reach your goal like if you're at where you want to be then yeah feel free to add in some more variables see what your body can tolerate see what your mind can tolerate but if you have a specific goal that you're getting to Mm -hmm. I'm constantly preaching remove as much unnecessary remove as as much unnecessary weight as you possibly can because it's just it's not contributing to the betterment of of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you need to like decrease that margin for error mm-hmm. uh, and and understand and be willing to accept your own weaknesses. Like for me, like one way that the keto brick, like I literally view it as a, a weapon to combat my love of nut butters. Yeah. You know, because nut butters, I can get out of control. Oh, I can seriously put down some nut butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, when like the other night, I literally was like, it, it hit my mind. I knew that jar of peanut butter was in the fridge, and I, I wasn't even hungry. I just was like in that snack mm-hmm. state, yeah. and I knew it was there. And uh, and I had hit my calories for the day um, of what I wanted to hit. I knew I wasn't hungry, uh, it, but it was like one of those times where I felt weak. Mm-hmm. So I went to the to the uh, pantry and I grabbed a peanut butter brick, and I had a couple bites of the peanut butter brick, and it completely satisfied that itch, and it com- that craving completely went away without me like going off the rails and down in a bunch of peanut butter and then regretting it later. Yeah. You know, I had this high quality product that filled me up to where peanut butter doesn't fill me up. And uh you know, because of all of the the high quality ingredients in the brick, how nutrient dense it is, it it completely just wiped it out as a, as an issue at all. Speaking of ingredients, I want to tease something real quick. This mm. podcast is going live on Friday the... I forget what day that winds up being. But you and I and the rest of the Keto Brick team have been working on... We're just going to add a little Keto Brick filler here because we've been mm. talking about it so much. Why not? It's relevant. <laughs> um, but we got a new flavor coming up. The new flavor is going to launch on the 7th of June, mm-hmm. which is a Sunday. I'm not going to tell what the flavor is on this podcast. They'll find out this weekend. We'll make an announcement. Okay. But let's talk a little bit about the ingredients because I feel like 
first of all, the ingredients that we use in all the current bricks are freaking top flight. Like, mm-hmm. I'll stand behind them 110%. There's a reason we use every single ingredient. There's some uncertainty with some that other people have, but then we explain why we use those, and it's it's apparent, it's obvious, and it makes sense. Right. A lot of people, especially in the keto carnivore space, have always knocked the fact that we use a vegetable-based protein powder. There's a reason we use vegetable-based protein powder. I'm not going to dive too deep into that. Very high-level you know, synopsis is simply that most of the whey protein powders are just not as easily absorbed. So mm-hmm. we use that vegetable-based protein because it has a better absorption rate, and that's just the simple fact of the matter. I don't have any GI distress from that. Most people don't. I don't think anybody does, really. I don't, I've never had one complaint from the keto brick from a GI distress standpoint mm-hmm. because of the protein powder we're using currently. However, people have been knocking on our doors, not literally, but figuratively, mm-hmm. since we started the company for us to use an animal-based protein powder. So... This Sunday, the 7th of June, we're going to launch a keto brick flavor that uses a grass-fed whey concentrate, super high-level, top-level protein powder, not vegetable-based, and the flavor is going to knock your socks off. Oh, yeah. Like, trying to be careful here, uh, but this brick is, like, it's, it's totally different than the other flavors uh, but in a, a totally good way, like the texture and the taste and, uh, it's just totally unique compared to the other ones. Um, that, uh, it, in my opinion, I have no doubt that it is going to rank at the top, um, with the others that are at the top right now, which it, the peanut butter and toasted almond coconut are, are really the crowd favorites yeah. right now. This one I have, I have no question, is going to move right up and be, it's going to be in the top three. See, it's funny because I thought toasted almond coconut could potentially dethrone peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter still beating toasted almond coconut. I feel like it's it's a pretty close neck and neck competition, but I feel like peanut butter still the crowd champ, mm-hmm. the reigning champ. And if you're a nut butter person. You may still like peanut butter. I mean, peanut butter is hard to beat if you're a nut butter person. It's just, yeah. it's, it's always going to be a favorite. Mm-hmm. But if you're one that really wants an animal-based protein powder mm-hmm. and you like this flavor, which I'm sure you will, <laughs> then this may just top a peanut butter. I was going to say there's a – most of you probably had a certain kind of candy as a child, probably at the movie theater, and this – just makes you think of that i mean <laughs> yep, yep. I, I mean to the point that we literally were sitting around tasting it and mm-hmm. that's uh, you you threw it out there and immediately everybody in the room was like that's it yep that's the name that's the name and you'll know <laughs> that name this weekend when we announce that name mm-hmm. but the launch for that is going to be the 7th of june that sunday we're probably going to do the same time 12 noon central so get ready. This podcast is not designed to be a huge hype up for that by any means, but I feel like it's a relevant thing to mention mm. because you and I both eat the bricks as much as we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I would like to hit one thing real quick. Yeah, if go it's for okay. it. Go for it. So um, just because I get a lot of comments uh, on my Instagram and, and in reference to my posts, and, and I think everybody saw you through your prep, you know, using the bricks as a performance product. Um, but... One thing that I just really wanted to highlight, and I touched on a little bit earlier, but the reason I made the ketogenic life, uh, the ketogenic diet, a lifestyle for me, the reason I get up at 4:30 every morning and knock out my workout first thing in the morning because I know otherwise I'm not going to get it in. The reason I do all of this stuff nutritionally and with my exercise and everything is to be to where like Robert right now does everything to be the best ketogenic bodybuilder he can be. I use it right now at the stage of my life that I'm in to be the best husband and father that I can be. And I know that the ketogenic diet has changed my life to allow me to be a better husband and father. I know that uh, working out every day and maintaining my health and fitness 
Like I, I joke around and like to call it like I'm a dadly. Like I, I need to be able to be in good enough shape to where when I come home from working all day, I still got energy to, to play around with the kids, to wrestle with the kids, to help um, Jackie around the house, to be energetic and engaged in conversation, to not have my mind clouded with due to poor nutrition. I need to be dialed in so that I can engage with them emotionally and relationally, um, which is also the reason why I do my workouts the way I do. The, way, the reason I focus on calisthenics and bands is because you know, I've done really heavy squats and really heavy deadlifts in the past, and they are effective, and they build incredible physiques. Um, but they also, uh, you know, certain workouts take a lot longer and break down the body to a certain extent that causes a certain level of soreness. And as a dad, I don't need another reason to not want to get up off the couch because my legs are, you know, totally destroyed from a from a crazy squat session. But I have found that calisthenics and the band training, it it, it all works together with my goals for my entire life, with what I'm trying to achieve. And what's most important in my life right now is Jackie and those five kids. And if anything that I'm doing contradicts my goals there, then it needs to be adjusted or it needs to go. And that is where keto calisthenics, resistance band training, and the brick. Those are all weapons I am leveraging on my mission to be the best husband and father that I can be. And and I just wanted to lay that out there. Like, You need to have that as an individual. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. And if you know why, those hard days when you don't want to do it, you're going to know why you need to do it and push through. It's freaking deep, man. It's very freaking deep. It's uh, it's funny because I talk about you know ketogenic diet and bodybuilding and everything on my own platforms, and I have this underlying deeper meaning for why I do everything I do. And like someone that doesn't know me, doesn't know my backstory, doesn't know you or your story, they hear us talking about this stuff and they just think it's it's like like a mask or a facade or something. Mm-hmm. Like you can't make it deeper than it is. But I feel like you and I both are very like sentimental people in the sense that we recognize that we only have one life to live. We yep. recognize the time with our loved ones is finite. We recognize that we will die. Mm-hmm. You you were in the police force for 16 years. You've seen death firsthand. Mm-hmm. And when you know that and you become incredibly protective of how you spend your time and how you spend your resources, like it, it, brings, it brings a lot of pride to me and a lot of satisfa- satisfaction in my life to know that you value the brick, our company, we're willing to move from Virginia with your family to come down here and work with us in the first place. Like you speak very highly of everything that I've built mm-hmm. and I I have a lot of respect for you, man. Mm-hmm. Like I've gotten to know you a lot over the past year and a half or year and a month. And there's a lot of other things that we're that are in the works right now that nobody else knows they're not I haven't announced it yet but you you have seen a, a glimpse of what's to come mm-hmm. and I just want everybody that's listening to this or watching this to know that we got a freaking awesome team here Brandon's a rock star his family is like I literally do not know five kids that are more well behaved than your five <laughs> kids and you've done a pretty unorthodox uh or like un conventional way of of raising them like they're all mm-hmm. homeschooled yep um but like they're like the most well-mannered educated kids i've ever met like i look forward to being around them every time we have a cookout or something um <laughs> so just know that i respect the hell out of you man Thank i'm excited you. to have you by my side as we build this company Absolutely. and for anybody watching this or listening definitely give brandon a follow but know that the people that are here building this are here building this for a deeper meaning than just to make a buck. Like Mm -hmm. we want to make an impact. We want to leave a legacy and we value every single one of y'all more than you could possibly realize. And we just appreciate y'all, you know? And this may, this isn't cocky, but it may sound cocky, but the keto brick is the best keto product on the market 
hands down, no competition, dollar for dollar, calorie for calorie, no matter which way you want to look at it, it's the best. And I see what goes directly in those bricks every single day. And it's, I have so much confidence in that product. I want at least a thousand calories of that product in my body every day. Well, you said it, not me, but I'll back it up 100%. <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, man, What uh, I got a client call. What, uh, what can people go to find out more about you? Uh, so I'm probably most active on my Instagram. It's at uh, brandon.t.clark, brandon.t.clark. Awesome. And, uh, and then they can end up getting to my uh, Facebook from there if they, uh, if they want to. And, uh, and then I'm also a coach uh, for Deeper State Keto. Uh, so you can follow them on Instagram as well, and uh, we put content out there all the time as well. Shoot, yeah, man. Well, I'll obviously link out. The more people that know you, the better. Um, heck yeah, man. Always a pleasure talking. Well, I I can't believe this is a four podcasts in, but I know, I know, I love it. Yeah, we'll, love we'll make it. it. We'll make it a fifth podcast when we're able to kind of unveil some of the stuff we're working on. I feel like that'll be an exciting announcement for sure. That would be awesome. So that'd be awesome. Anytime I can be back, I will be in this chair. We'll do it. We'll do it. Appreciate you, ma'am. Thank you. And until next time, you'll have a good one.